Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other public forums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, and social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. And we're back. Uh, with me on the show, we got Mr. Nationwide, mm. Paul Chapman. I'm back. Paul, how are you? Dude, I'm I'm fired up. Oh, yeah? I went to a revival last night in the middle of downtown Knoxville. In like a church, probably the size of Piney Grove. <laughs> and when you walked in, the paneling has not been changed from when they built it. Right. But it was amazing. Now, how did you hear about this revival? Um, a guy that actually listens to our podcast out of Knoxville invited me. No way. So I went. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, you're going to invite me. I'm going to go. So me and BL, we loaded up and went. And uh, 17-year-old kid preaching last night. He was preaching about Isaac digging in his father's well. And that there's water, there's still water in the well if we'll dig. Boy, I like that. Listen, <laughs> I got crunk. It was, I about walked the benches. He said, I'm about to take a lap. And I thought, my gosh, I'm about to go with you. It was great. But they made us feel welcome as, as a family of God should. And um, it, it, there was a really sweet spirit there of uh, just surrendering to the Father. And it was awesome. I think that's really important. Like, as a believer, when you walk into any assembly, you should feel love. You should feel warmth. You should feel welcome. Um, Andy, you said you had a very similar experience when yes. you came to Poplar Bluff this past I was week. Say, Roman don't need to put a plug for his church, but I'll put a plug for his church. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was here on Sunday, and it was an amazing experience because as soon as you walked in, you felt like family. I'm so glad. And there was, <laughs> and there was kids everywhere, and you could see the adults working with the kids, helping the kids, and it just... You could see a young church that's growing, it's thriving, and it's seeking the Lord. And I, we were totally impressed with y'all's church. Well, praise God. Thank you. Uh, welcome back to the show, Andy. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Passover and communion. What's the significance of communion, and why is it important for believers to continue to observe communion or the lord's supper now we were gonna have a really special guest today mr robert ritchie with the olive tree messianic out of madisonville and he's come down um he's he's sick he's not feeling well right now and i just well i wish that we could have had him here because we had planned this for a long time but it's okay we're gonna we're gonna roll on andy and i through working together andy he gets to share a lot of things with me, just scripturally. Andy, you've talked to me about the the temple, <laughs> your thoughts on the temple, and the you've, you've shared your thoughts with me on communion. And it's just like every time we get to talk, um, you're just you're challenging me. You're you're causing me to grow. You're allowing me to think outside of the box. And so I think it's important that we surround ourselves with. First of all, like-minded people. Mm. Would you all agree? Yeah, totally. man. Yep. Iron strengthens iron. Iron sharpens iron. Yes. But we also need to have people in our life that's going to help take us to another spiritual level. Mm. Um, men and women of God that are going to challenge us or that's going to encourage us. 
Paul, what are your thoughts on that? That's the key to success. I tell my guys at work, I said, listen, you guys are better than me. And they're like, what? No, we're not. You on the bit. No, they, you don't understand. If you want to be successful, you have to keep people that are smarter and, and, and better, you know, more skilled at the craft you're involved in than you around you. They make, they make you better. Cause I constantly got to keep learning about my craft because these guys push me. And it's the same thing in the, with, you know, with Christianity or the biblical concept. Look, I've got to keep guys who are more sound in the doctrine and more sound in the faith around me to help me grow and to pull me along, you know? So, cause like Paul tells Timothy, he says, Hey, listen, what you've seen in me and you've heard in me, I want you to entrust this into faithful men. So, right, yeah. so we have to be around those guys who, who are sharper than us and, and know a little more than us, not haughty or arrogant about it, you know, but right. like, you just know, you know, when you get around somebody and, and I told this to a guy the other day, he was my spiritual father, you know, when I, when I first got saved and born again and, and he, it was something about work. His house got hit by lightning and he was like, I need to pay you. And I was like, dude, man, listen, cause I've been really digging into this Paul and Timothy guard the good deposit that's in you. I said, listen, man, you've already paid me. You've already paid me. You deposited into me. I'm going to deposit into somebody else. And hopefully they'll deposit in somebody else. And it'll just keep going until Jesus comes back. And um, striving for the mastery. Yes. I think as believers, you know, we get saved. That's great. Praise the Lord. And and this is something that I wanted to ask. I can't remember who I was around the other day. But how much is a soul worth? How much is your soul worth? Mm. Think about that. And, and, and I mean, that's, that's a legitimate mm. question. Think, what is, scripturally, what does the Bible say that a soul is worth? Think about that, guys. I mean, when you talk about my soul, I would want somebody to go so far and beyond, beyond anything to make sure that I'm saved. And if Jesus loves me the same as he does everybody else out there, why am I not going above and beyond and doing everything I can to pull someone close to the Lord when I know what my eternity would be without mm. it? There's no way that I wouldn't want to do the same for them. My dad had an old <laughs> saying. He would say, one soul is worth the whole world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, how do we know that? Just one. Because the Bible says a man can gain the whole world, but what? Lose his soul. But lose his soul. What's it worth? What What is it worth? The man can gain the whole world, but lose his soul. So what, that one soul is worth the whole world, guys. Mm. You think about that. You know, we're chasing our dream in the world, <clears throat> Andy, and, and, and we're, we're, we're bringing into our camp. We're bringing into our camp. But listen, would you leave the 99 for the one? No. Would you? It's hard when it's you. Yeah. It's hard when it's, it's you. Hard when it's but you. if you're that one, oh my word. It's everything. Yes. It's it's life. Mm-hmm. It's life, you know. And and uh so many times we just judge the one. Oh, they brought this on themselves. They did that. They're yeah. out there for that reason. Instead of having the heart and compassion of Jesus to go get them. Yeah. And that's why it's important to assemble yourself with a body of believers that's going to preach the word of God. Amen. Because that word, it'll cut you, man. It hurts sometimes. And you know what? If you get proud and you get boastful or you get comfortable in the spirit, then, you know, you're going to start becoming self-centered. You're going to become focused on self and you. And God has not called us to be focused on self. God has called us to be focused on others and serving. Okay, so guys, let's let's dig into uh, Passover. I think it's interesting that this is one of the last things that Jesus did with his disciples. And imagine being Christ 
and knowing that one of those guys that's sitting at the table is going to betray you, probably already had mm. betrayed you. I love that little quote that I've been seeing on Facebook. It said, even Judas had a seat at the table. Let that sink in, guys. Even if somebody is willing to betray you, even if somebody is willing to bring you harm, Jesus still extends love. Think about that, guys. If we know somebody is going to do us wrong, we'll probably exclude them, isolate them. But you see, Jesus, he said, no man takes my life from me. He doesn't live with closed love, he, arms wide open. Jesus allows himself to be exposed as an example for us that, well, what if they hurt me? What if, what if they talk about me? What if, they, what, if they, what if I do get hurt spiritually? That's the love of Christ. Would you guys agree? Mm. I think it's no coincidence he had a brother named Jude. You know, and Judas is going to betray. Because I'm sure there were times in his life as a child, Jude would wrong him. And he's having these flash thoughts in his mind about one day it'll be a different Jude <laughs> that's going to, you know, turn me in. And yeah. I'm sure that was practice runs of getting ready to have to handle yeah. that. Because honestly, to have a brother named Jude, only God would do that to himself. I mean. <laughs> wow. Look at this very closely and dissect it. Because this is what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> you know. That's who he, he's so intricate though. Yes. The way he weaves it all together. It's uh, it's unbelievable. I always say there's no Hebrew word for coincidence. Yeah. Because it's dipping. <laughs> things are happening in his time and in his footsteps. Wow. It's uh the more I told somebody Sunday, uh last Sunday before I preached, I said, you know, the more I say, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah. He said, Well, that's a great place to be. I said, Well, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so. so communion, we read about that in um Matthew chapter 26, also in Luke chapter number 22. But communion has deeper roots than just a New Testament observance. Its roots is out of Exodus chapter number 12, mm -hmm. which is Passover. Now, Andy, this is something that I wasn't aware of until later on in my life, whenever I started studying the Word and growing in my walk with Christ. But Passover was a feast yes. that Jewish men and women observed throughout the year. And there was more than one feast, right? Uh, you mean talking about the feast of Passover or the feast that they do? All, they, do I, they have a bunch of different there's feasts. There's a bunch of feasts, yeah. right? And each feast is specific. Uh, and each get, speak get, screams Jesus. The more <laughs> you start to get into it and the deeper you delve, I mean, it's just got his... It's him all over every feast. But I'd like saying. to, I might maybe like to do a podcast on the feasts of the Old Testament because they are still very significant. And I was camping up in Indian Boundary and me and my wife and kids, and there's this uh, large camping site still over at the overflow, and they had it all dolled up and guy came out one morning and blew a shofar tabernacles and yep. son we're like what in the world's going on now i knew about the feast of tabernacles but i didn't know when it was occurring because you know uh 
Paul said in Colossians, you know, let no man respect you of any holy day or ordinance or feast. And so like, you know, and again, if I, if this is the wrong mindset, somebody can, can correct me, but I don't think that that's a requirement for new Testament believers, but observing the feasts, you know, I think that it could help you spiritually, but, but my family, we don't, we don't observe them. We've, but, we've tried to start observing more and more of them. And each time you, you do, you have a chance to impress upon your children. In fact, what the Talmud says about the Passover and the feast is this to remind adults, but it's to inspire and to impress and educate your children. Yeah. And so if you're the high priest of your household, I should several times throughout the year, I will stop and do other things. I will stop and talk about uh, Thanksgiving feast or stop and do this, but to stop and do tabernacles with my kids, to, and it's a great feast. Go outside, camp outside, and sit under the stars and talk about how God will provide you and God will make a way through this earth, just as he did with the children of Israel those 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. And to literally have one evening, I mean, we'll do so many other things with our children, but to have one evening where you're just camped out in the yard spending the entire night talking about this life's going to be rough. There's going to be times you're going to want the manna, you're going to want the quail and he can drop it from heaven when he has to, but you hold to his hand, you walk through. Those are things we need to teach our children. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and, and to do these feasts, to do that with him, like I say, Passover is one we have to do every year because like I say, it just so much explains to your child what life is going to be like. Yeah. It's so deep when you get into it. I remember a couple of years after I got born again, um, one of the first bands that I played in, the guitar player, they observed all the feast. And and we traveled, you know, quite a bit and, and played. But I've got to where they were inviting me over for the Feast of Tabernacles, for the Passover Seder. So I've done all these things. And I can remember the first Seder that I went to, it was in Little City in a basement. And the more I sat there, the more I cried. Oh, my word, yeah. Because, like, when I got to the bitter herb, you know, and the and, and it was just and dipped in salt, and it's just like and the more I chewed, mm-hmm. the more physically I was just like, this is unbearable. In, in this natural man. And then I got to thinking about what he went through and how unbearable the things he, it was just such a type and shadow. If, if you've never done it, yeah. you need to, because you will have a new appreciation for what the father went through. Just an inkling of it, nothing even close, but enough to get your senses to like, this guy yeah. really suffered for me. Mm. It was unreal. So yeah, there are a lot of different feasts that, uh, Jewish men and women observe, and it would have been nice if had Brother Robert here because he could have really um, took us on a journey through those briefly. But we're here to talk about Passover. Now, Passover was probably the most sacred feast of, and it's actually not one of the required feasts. There, <laughs> Is that right? There yeah. actually set, there's three required feasts that the Jewish people have to do, and Passover is not one of them. Although everybody will be there for it too. Because Passover happens on the 14th of Nisan. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher these words the way I'm saying I'm a Gentile struggling through. I read a lot, so I just don't know how things are pronounced. But the 14th of Nisan is when they have the Passover. Um, the very next night 
starts the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that's why it throws so many people off when they read the Bible, because they said Jesus's body had to be brought down because the next day is a Sabbath. Mm. And so everybody thinks it's on Friday. I don't care what day it falls on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the next day is a Sabbath because the next day is considered a holy day. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread that's required, which is interesting. Passover is all about how he's going to get me through this world. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread is they eat nothing but the matzah bread stuff during that week, no leavened bread. And that's just showing that you'd better take Jesus Christ in if you're going to make it through this next seven days. Because the bread, to me, I honestly wish we would start in Baptist churches and stuff using the real matzah bread because I cannot hold it in my hands without crying. It is a flat-looking cracker, but the Jewish people take a fork, and they poke holes going down through it. And then they take a flame and hold under it and everything, so it gets these brown spots on it, because they believe the bread has to be striped, has to be pierced, and Mm. has to be bruised. (laughs) And all of a sudden, when Jesus is holding the bread up at the Passover, and he says, I am the bread. When we hold a little communion wafer up, yeah, he's bread. When we hold that up, and we realize what he's telling him is, I'm about to be striped, I'm pierced and bruised, and all this is going to happen to me. I am this bread. And uh, broken. Oh my, yes, yeah. it breaks. Mm. And what they do, one of the things I got, oh, you're getting me excited, I'm going to go on. <laughs> one of the things they do with the bread at the beginning of the meal, I've got a little matzah bag. They take three pieces of the bread, and they put in there, there's three sections to the bag. And you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at the very beginning of the meal, they pull out the middle piece and they break it in pieces and they wrap it in white linen and they put it in a dark spot in the house. And as soon as the meal is over, you're supposed to pull it out and rejoice that the bread is alive. And if you can't go through that and Mm. not see Jesus Christ on every bit of it, (laughs) to sit there, to know the fact that when me and my family are putting it in the white cloth and we're breaking it, Every one of us is bawling wow. because it's us that broke him. Yeah. Mm. And when we pull it out and there it's just as the high priest of your household sitting there with my three, my family and me sitting there rejoicing that the bread is alive. And in fact, the Jewish people have traditions with things. If you go to the European Jews, they keep a little bit of the bread because they believe the bread can heal the sick. Yes, exactly. It's all through the New Testament. And in fact, if you're a Jewish boat captain, they take a little piece of that bread that's broken and you put it on your boat throughout the rest of the year and then you change it out the next Passover because they believe the bread can calm the waves. Yes, he can. (laughs) And see, once again, as you're going through this and you're telling your kids, the bread can calm calm the waves. The bread can heal the sick. Mm. And who is that bread? And to hear your children, it's Jesus Christ. I am the bread of life. Yes. Wow. It changes when you use the actual bread. You think about that, that communion at the end of that I mean, it it had to be the Passover Seder he was performing at the Last oh, yeah. Supper. It had to be. I mean, there's. It was. I mean, you read into it and you know it. So listen to, to what communion really means. I know. I know. We take communion at our church, and and a lot of several churches do it. And we say, hey, listen, if you're not where you need to be with the Lord. Don't do this. The Bible warns. Hey, if you're not in good standing here, don't 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 make a mockery of this. This is for real. Yeah, that's First Corinthians eleven, Paul. And and here's here's the thing that people don't understand. We uh, we've heard communion, so communion, communion, communion. Let's take communion. Com- Listen to what this the communion means. This the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. Intimate thoughts and feelings. I'm not just popping that matzo bread in my mouth and chucking back that Welch's grape juice just to be doing it because everybody else in the room is. There's a separation. That Passover, when that blood was applied to the post, 
It was there to save my life. Everybody was being judged. Everybody was being judged, but he made a way of escape. You apply the blood, you'll live. You follow me, you'll live. I am that Passover lamb. That's who he is. But it says intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental and spiritual level. This stuff is is done in the natural but it has such a type and shadow of the spiritual that if you will do it in the natural, it will break you in the spiritual oh, yes. because you can't argue with what it is. It's, it's amazing. Again, if you've not done it, you, you really need to. Each part of the meal. Most Christians, we've done the communion bread and we've done the communion you know, grape juice. We have not done the meal. And, a, and as you go through the meal, honestly, when we do it as a family, it will take us three to four hours to yeah. do this meal. And each part, it's not like you're sitting there just having a big meal. We actually, we actually stop at one point and actually eat a real meal. But then the other stuff is all an emotional ride, a yeah. roller coaster of what he's done for you. There's so many times that you take different things it's over and over and over again repeated. You'll take this lettuce because it represents new life. And what do you do? You have to dip it in salt water. So salty, mm. it's supposed to bring tears to your eyes. And I mean, I make mine when I do it so stinking salty, you can't handle it. But my girl, Kelby, has asked, she says, make it as salty as you can. She says, I want those tears. I want to remember stuff like that, and to literally look at several times in your kids at the meal and go, you have a new life, but it comes with tears. So many times we want to shield our children from all that stuff out there. I know I'm probably going to make people mad with this, that whole mama bear mentality. You know what? We should have a mama servant mentality. I'm raising my child to be a servant. I'm raising my child to work for the Lord, and you know what? He needs to know, and she needs to know, you have a new life, but it is not coming easy. It is not coming hard. It comes with tears yeah. and over and over almost every part of the meal whether you're doing the bread you're doing this you are dipping it in something so salty or so hot like the horseradish that you bring tears to your eyes and our kids need to know that wow. this life has tears mm. it's not an easy ride so something else that i was thinking about guys as y'all are as y'all are talking about that um the significance of the, the passover lamb um we've heard people talk about the body of Jesus and how not a bone would be broken. Okay. Well, why is that significant? Well, in Exodus chapter number 12, it talks about the Passover lamb. Now listen to this Exodus twelve forty six. in one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth the flesh abroad throughout the house. Neither shall you break a bone thereof. Mm. So they weren't supposed to break the bones of the Passover lamb. In um, in the book of uh, John, I think it's chapter number 19, it said that um, this was done to fulfill the prophecy that not a bone would be broken in his flesh. Now, I can remember um, thinking about Jesus dying on the cross, and, and, and Thomas said, you know, I won't believe unless I see the nail prints in his hands. Right. Right. Now, if you'll feel of your hands, there's little bones all throughout your hand. And if you've ever seen one of those Roman uh, crucifixion, now basically like a railroad spike, it's going to be difficult to put that through your hand and not break one of those little phalange bones, one of those little small bones right there. 
But then you think about can the weight can can the weight of, a, of of an adult man can your that your hand support that weight? And so people have. Um, we're using the Gentile word for hand. The, the Hebrew word for hand goes from your fingertips <clears throat> until past your wrist. So when they say they put the in the hand, there's the spot right there that it can hook and hold and everything like that. And so it would still be part of your hand, which amazes me even more because if you want to know where the biggest mass of nerves is in your body, it's right there, which yeah. is going to be the most painful. God designed this human body knowing Jesus was going to have a mm. nail, drove through his hands, and where does he put the biggest mass of nerves? Right where that's going to be happening. If I was designing the body, it would have been a marshmallow right there. It just <laughs> slide right on through. But you know what? Jesus, want, he wanted that pain. He wanted, because, wow. oh my word, I could not have designed my body knowing that's where I'm going to take it. But the Hebrew word from hand, it goes down further, and that's why. So, so yeah, that's where the radius and the ulna meet, mm-hmm. right yeah. there, right below the wrist. Um, but I've seen I've seen depictions of people who, again, like I said, the, the Gentile word for hand, uh, uh, Andy. Um, we think that, the palm. We think of the palm of the hand. But people have made depictions of, because you, the, that cannot support the weight of, of a human being. So they they've have like wraps around the arm, you know, to, because that's how they would support it. But that would still probably rip through the hand, no doubt. And these Roman centurions, they were perfectionists when it come to torture. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Truth Revival is brought to you by Senior Lopez Mexican Grill, 105 Mecapike, Teleco Plains, Tennessee. Paul, why don't you tell our listeners what's happening at Senior Lopez? Hey, take the family down Monday night for trivia, 6.30 to 7.30. Tuesday is my favorite day. Tuesday is Teleco Spirit Tuesday, where 10% of all proceeds go to the town of Teleco Plains, Rome, which is a great idea, and I love that. Bingo, Thursday night at 6.30. And Saturday night is live music from 6.30 to 8.30. So take the family down, relax, have a great meal where the food is fresh and the family is welcome. Come home for dinner at Senor Lopez. And now the continuation of Truth Revival. And we always draw the picture wrong of him on the cross. We could go back to the Renaissance roots and stuff like that. The Romans had two different ways they crucified the feet. And we always picture the feet right on top of each other, nail drove through. If you do that, you're breaking bones. God said there are no broken bones, so you know exactly how it was nailed. They have uncovered crucifixion victims that they have their feet on top of each other, and then they've had some that they've bought, got the bodies off, that were still attached to the wood, that the side of your foot, there's that little ball socket right there, that you can take a nail and you push it right through, and it will not break a bone, but it goes through the ball socket and comes out the other side. And they have found crucifixion victims still on the wood to where it went through right there. It did not break a bone that's even more painful because the Mm. other one you have to push up to get your air and you're pushing against that this one if they go through the ball socket you you, when you push up it's rotating the bone across the top of it which is extremely painful jesus would not have taken the less painful one wow you know Mm. he is going to take this much pain to let us know because in as much pain doesn't even equal how much love he has, right. but he, he had it go through the side of the foot and you would have had both feet on the side of the mm. cross. But once again, because the Bible says no broken bone, 
that's what I got to go with. So yeah. when when we think about you know the the fulfillment of these prophecies, Jesus is the the Passover Lamb, and um, he would have known this. And when he's given communion to his disciples, and and guys, I think about the uh, this is Isaiah fifty three in fulfillment, but when he leaves, um, and and see, this is one of the cool things because when you go over to Israel, um, they have a, a location that they think is the upper room or where that communion meal would have, would have taken place. Um, and then when you walk out of the city, there are, um, there's a set of steps that lead down out of the city and it's adjacent to the Levitical high priest's home, that property area. They, and, and that's where, um, Jesus was held though. There was holding cells in the bottom of Caiaphas's home, but it's significant because Jesus, um, when he, when he walked down, he had, he had people with him. He had, he had friends with him, but where does he go? He walks, um, beside the, um, he walks up the Kidron Valley, uh, to the garden of Gethsemane and that the gar- the Gethsemane means, the, the crusher, right? Or, or the pressing, where he's under so much immense pressure. He knows what's coming. He knows the 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 Passover lamb, the that he's about to his body's about to be bruised, his blood's about to be shed. He says, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And his sweat becomes as, as great drops. Jesus is in agony. So I mean, rewind a little bit. When he's when he's given this Passover, when he's taking communion with his followers, he knows that he's about to do this. The the wine, his blood, the terrible death that he's about to experience. He became the fulfillment of so many Old Testament prophecies, guys, mm. in this in this moment. But why would he need to do that? Our sin. Our sin. Because God loved us so much that he didn't want us to be hopeless and separated from God to face the judgment of God without the possibility of having redemption, right? This is judgment was coming upon Egypt and that's what the Passover lamb was for. So that whoever had the, 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 the blood over the doorpost would not have to face the judgment or the wrath of God. Praise be unto God that through Jesus Christ, I don't have to face the wrath of God alone, but Jesus Christ is my Passover lamb. Hallelujah. Um, Do you know where the thing about the the let this cup pass from me comes from? No. It actually is supposed to mirror off of the Passover meal. And it's quite interesting. Um, The Jewish people, there's four cups in the meal of Passover, and they mimic the four cups of a Jewish wedding ceremony. And this almost gets me just goosebumps every time I think about this. The four cups of a Jewish wedding ceremony. If I was going to marry my wife, I would show up at her house with a bag with four cups in it. I would take all four of those cups, turn them upside down. The first cup is called the cup of fellowship. You fill that cup up, the father, the bride, the groom, we just pass it around, kind of talk, calm down. This You're about to go in a serious situation. And then the next cup, you slide upside down to the father. The father is supposed to take that cup, fill it up, and he sits there while he drinks of it and tells you what the cost is for that bride. Mm. 
You're going to owe me 30 camels. She owes 10 sheep to this person. You owe me this, 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 and this. And goes through the cost of what it costs to get that bride. Then they take the third cup upside down, slide it over to the groom. If the groom takes that cup, he doesn't say a thing. If he takes it, turns it over, fills it up, and drinks of it, he then gets up and walks out because he says, I'm willing to pay that price with the third cup. If the price is too steep, he takes the cup, slides it back to the father. There is no engagement going on. And so that once again mirrors with the Passover. And if you read in the Passover after the third cup, they sing a psalm and they leave. They do not finish the Passover that night. And he even says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you in heaven. And they leave after the third cup. Then he goes to the garden and says, let this cup pass from me is there any other possibility of how to buy this bride yeah other than the way that's about to go down oh wow and then if you've ever seen a jewish wedding they stomp a cup because you've got the fourth cup that fourth cup is then picked up by the groom if he says he's willing to pay the price and when you get to the wedding they take that cup and (laughs) this is what gets it to me the father the bride and the groom all lock arms and they take turns sipping from that cup. They wrap it in white linen and then they stomp on it because now this marriage is forever. I'm going to have a time when I get to heaven that I lock arms right there. Me personally, I truly believe each one of us will truly personally feel this where I look God in his eyes. I mean, God, y'all, we even realize what we're saying. We look God in his eyes. I look Jesus dead in his eyes. The man who took that third cup, we sip of it together and then he stomps on on it and looks at me and says, now our marriage is forever. Wow. Oh my word. I can't get through the drinks during the Passover without bawling my eyes out on every one of them, knowing what I've got in store for me one day. Mm, praise God. I love the four cups. Praise love God. Love the four cups. Amen. I've never heard that. That's awesome. That's that's amazing. We'll get that time each and every one of wow. us. I truly that's believe. Cool. That's good. That's why he doesn't drink of the fruit of the vine. And then, oh my goodness, to go to the cross, he's offered the gall, which is wine mixed with painkiller, turns that down and takes vinegar. Why? He's waiting for that moment Mm. to look into our eyes and drink of that cup together. Mm. Even took more of the pain so that he could save that moment for us. Mm. Amen. And you you talk about the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I said, now you know why it says, let this cup pass from Oh, yeah. Because he's referring to the third cup. Yep. He does not celebrate the fourth cup. If you know Passover and you read where it's going down and you see what things are happening, he leaves after the third cup, which I'm sure all the disciples are like, y- y'all were like 10 minutes from finishing this thing. Let's do this. Yeah, you know, yeah. what about no, that? <laughs> he's out there. He's out because he had a bigger plan in mind. Mm. Wow. And you talk about the lamb, two other things about the lamb. The lamb, first off, they bring in on the 10th of Nisan and you have it inspected by the uh, priest and then it stays with you until the sacrifice. Why? You should have a personal connection with that lamb. Mm. And you know how hard it's going to be when you're slaughtering that lamb and your kids have played with it for the last couple of days. They've named it. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, It, yeah. it should hurt. I've, my brother raises sheep. Mm. I've always told him one Passover, I want to go full Jew. And I want the sheep to actually stay at our house. And then I want to be, I want to be the one to cut. Not that I want to, 
but I need to feel that mm. because I'm the one that did that. And the Passover lamb, even if you took it to the priest to do it, they put your hand on the knife when they sliced it. They held your hand because why? It's you, you. that killed that lamb. Yep. And I, I, I know that sounds weird, but I want to feel it one time down here on earth because he already felt it for me. Well, when you, underst- when you understand the price, yep. Andy, when we understand the price of our sin, I think so many times we just kind of gloss over that. Um, but we need to understand that our sin offends God. Oh, yeah. And before you can really understand the goodness of God, you have to understand the wrath of God. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, I, uh, but, but is it, is it that God is sitting up on the throne, just looking to annihilate everybody? I don't, I don't no. think it's that I gave an illustration the other day um, at FCA, Andy, about the sun. Okay, the sun is what gives this world life. It's amazing to me that we're just the right distance from the sun that we don't freeze, but we're just close enough that we don't burn up. Mm. Okay? But if you ever just look up at the sun, the sun is glorious. It brings warmth. It brings life. But if you just stare at the sun, what is going to happen to your face? Go blind. You're going to go blind. Well, God said, no man can look upon me and live. Um, he that Jesus shines like the sun. If uh, you think about the sun, if you get too close to it, you know, if you if you fly too close to it, what'll happen? You'll 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 burn up, right? Well, that's like God's holiness. We cannot get too close to God's holiness. We you can't enter into that holy place unworthily, or, or else you'll be consumed. Right. Whenever Moses spent time with God, they had to put a bag over his head because he just had the spirit of God all over him and they they couldn't look upon him. So God's holiness, it's not that God is looking to destroy, but that's just the nature of God's holiness. Sin cannot abide in God's presence. And so um, think about, I forgot where I was going with all that. That holiness that you're talking about goes exactly into what we're talking about right here. Also, remember I said the 10th of Nisan is when you take your lamb to be inspected to the temple. Um, if you read back what's going on with Jesus and everything, the 14th is when he's going to have the Passover. Trace back that 10th is when he rides in the triumphal entry. And we know that Jesus goes to the temple at that point. There's times he, he goes to the temple so many times. He shows up on the day that the priest and the church is supposed to inspect the lambs. That's the day he drives the money changers out of the temple. It's not other times. It's on the 10th of Nisan that he drives them out. Why? Because the lamb showed up and inspected the church and the church had fault. The lamb was perfect. He didn't need to be inspected by the church. He had to inspect the church. And then you understand what that whole driving them out was about is he showed up, the lamb showed up was perfect and it was us that were blemished and everything like that. And that totally changes his anger and his wrath right there when you understand that's the time that he showed up and drove the money changers out. Yeah, I remember what it was. Um, We have to see our... Our sinfulness. We have to come to an awareness of our our sin before a righteous and, and holy God, and we have to un- we need to understand the price of our sin. Andy, it was God's son. It was God's son. I want to read out of First Corinthians chapter five here, verse number seven. It says, "Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, even as ye are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for." 
us or on our behalf. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Wow, that Christ is our Passover lamb, that he's became that for us. He who knew no sin Mm. became sin so that we might become children of God. How about that? Mm. And when he became sin, his father couldn't even look on him. On the cross, when God had to turn his back, is when he was become. I, I, I think the Lord sets up relationships for us to understand the relationship with him better. Because when he sets up the relationship of marriage, if you've not been through a marriage, you don't understand what he means by it. You don't understand the joy. I Ever since I got married, I don't watch when the bride walks down the aisle. When everybody turns and looks at her, ever since I got married, I turn and look at the groom. Mm. Because I know what I went through when I saw everything yeah. I've ever wanted in life coming straight towards yep. me, my bride. I choked up like you wouldn't believe ever since that. I look at the groom because yep. that's what it's going to be like. For I mean, Jesus put that in us. So that when he knows, when we see the bride, he sees the bride come and we know what he's yeah. feeling. He puts the relationship of father, child in there because I'm telling you, having my own children, there's no way, love you both, couldn't give my child for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh my word, you realize how much deeper of a relationship it was. I think that's why he set up the relationships that he did. And I think that's why he guards those relationships and says, I want you to stay married and be married. I want you to stay in this, you know, those situations. Yeah. He, he knows he wants us to see what his purpose is for us. Everything mm-hmm. involved in this whole cosmos points to him. From from that mm-hmm. to the mountains, the stars, yes. everything, it all points back to the Creator. Amen. Andy, you said something about your kids. Uh, oh, real quick, Anna Lee, she's a great kid. Uh, <laughs> have to do that because last night I told her I was getting ready, and she goes, "Dad, you're gonna be on the podcast. Will you mention you like me better than Kelby?" I'm like, "No, I'm not saying that." <laughs> and she said. <laughs> She said, will you at least say you like me? I was like, yes, I'll say I like you. So, Annalie, if you do listen, that one was for you. (laughs) But, you know, Andy, I think every parent, loving parent, shares that sentiment. Who would give their child for nobody? We don't even want to think about that, guys. But I want you to listen. Romans chapter 5. I mean, this this, this brings it out here. Romans chapter 5, verse number 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Like, for a good man, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Like, I guess if there's a situation where a good man is about to die and I have the opportunity to take his place, I mean, I would have to weigh the fact that my wife would then be a widow. My children would grow up without a father. But... Could I ever lay my life down for somebody else? I mean, let's think about our soldiers. Let's think about our men and women in uniform, you know, our, our, our police officers. You know, those, those men and women, they put their life on the line every day, but I don't. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a common thing for an individual to lay down their life for, for a good person. We're talking about a good person, a law-abiding mm. citizen. Yeah. And, and, and I could lay my life down a whole lot thousand times easier than I could order my child to lay their life down. Okay. You know, I mean, and and to know that God asked that and Jesus did that, you know? Well, think about this though. So scarcely for a righteous man would one man die. 
but look at this. But God commands his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, mm. Christ died for us. True. So it wasn't that God sent his son to die for a bunch of good people. <laughs> yeah. He sent his son to die for a wretch Uh-oh. like me. Sinful, wicked, stinking. All right. Um, the uh, um, somebody the other day was talking about uh, you know our righteousness being filthy rags. And when I thought about filthy rags, I used to think about like old uh, oil rags or something. Do you, you know, know what the word is? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it's like menstrual garments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of filthy rags that we're talking about yeah. here. That and that makes a person unclean in in the in the sight of God. And I don't think anybody wants to be around that. But that's what our righteousness is like in the sight of God. The best we got, Paul, is yeah, is it's filthy rags, nasty and gross, <laughs> minstrel <Yeah>. garments <laughs> in, in the in the sight of God. Boy, if that right there don't humble you, mm. so if that's your best. <laughs> Guys, I know my worst. Oh my word! Oh my goodness! I, I'm, I'm. I love every time you take a word in the Bible and you actually look up deeper of the Hebrew and the Greek and what it means. Mm. I mean, because we just see cloths, and then you look up that word and you see it, and you're like, "Oh my word! How yes. much deeper it is." My favorite, and I got to just show this out this one time. I forget exactly where it was. I was reading through, and you know, it says where strangers were aliens and stuff. I was looking up that word, and the word actually means a refugee who is traveling to his homeland, but has never yet been to his homeland and having a tough journey along the way. How specific of a word could you use when he uses that word? But how perfect of a word. Because you know what? Here's the thing. I've never been home. Mm. I mean, I got a home here. He's been to I've never, ever been home. I'm just trying to get through this junk down here so I can get home. We're just passing through. Mm. That's like the, that's just like the the face of tabernacle. It is such a time of shadow that we're just passing through. Yeah, you know we're we're not. This ain't who we are, and, and we get so bound and and in our minds that this is who we are, but it's not who we are. Mm. He, you got to understand by one man's sin, Adam, and we blame it on Eve, but by one man's sin, Adam, all this fell apart. So we blame it and we live it and we do and we go and we go, but we don't really understand that by one man's obedience, Mm. one for one, he says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, one for one, by one man we died, by one man we live. He's unbelievable, Mm -hmm. unbelievable. So guys, let's try to land this plane. Let's uh, try to bring this to a close. Um, I want to try to finish reading right there out of Romans chapter five because this is just so this is so rich, man. <laughs> Especially up. when it when it comes to the Passover and thinking about Jesus being our Passover lamb. But while we were yet sinners, uh, but God commended His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more now, justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Christ. Mm. For if, when we were enemies of God. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Yes. Not only so, but listen, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received 
the atonement, the payment, the cleansing, (laughs) the reconciliation through Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. Praise God. And then, you know, we're going to read, I think this is um, in, uh, Lord, where is this at? Um, Let's see here. Is it 1 Corinthians chapter... I'm 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 struggling right now, but where where Paul is it First Corinthians 15 where he talks First about fruits of the dead. Yeah, no. Um, let's see That's here. Fifteen. I know. I'm gonna have to look this up real quick. You know, it's interesting. We speak of first fruits of the dead. That is oh. the first Sabbath, the, the day after the Sabbath during the Passover week. And so you're going to have Jesus crucified on the uh, the 14th is when they have Passover. 15th is going to be crucified. He raises up on the 17th which the 17th of Nisan is actually the day that the ark rests on the side of the mountain which it, with Noah, which shows once again, when are we finally at rest and everything? When Jesus rises from the grave. But that day, being a Sunday, would have been the feast of first fruits. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says he is the first fruits of the dead, meaning that he was the first one brought back like that. So that's why it actually hits another Jewish feast that we totally miss, Amen. the first feast of first fruits, but it's wow. the first day after the sabbath after passover now something else about that nisan you keep you keep bringing up about nisan i looked it up nisan is somewhere between april and march yes right in in mm-hmm. our in our calendar but first corinthians 15 it talks about without the resurrection of christ then the gospel falls apart right the idea that jesus is the passover lamb without the resurrection then the payment for sin is just kind of, it's a moot point. You know what I'm saying? Because he has become those, like you said, the first fruit. If he lives, then we can live also. He's the promise of of eternity, of of eternal life. So, um, Andy, we're going to let you try to close it out here, and then uh, we'll let Paul share. I just, I want to run through just, Two seconds of real quick why you should do the actual Passover meal. You know the the bread and the juice, but then everything else you need to teach your child. I mentioned once the Karapas where you take the new life and show with tears. Then there's a thing called it's more, which is like a hot horseradish. And you dip your bread in it, put it in your mouth, and it should bring tears flowing down your eye. It's supposed to remind you of the bitterness of slavery. To Mm. them, that's Egypt. But if you don't have a chance to sit down with your child at least once a year, look them and go, sin has bitterness. Sin should bring tears to your eyes. Mm. So we just gloss over it and let our kids go out there and sin. If we don't sit them down as the high priest of the household and at least once a year explain, no, 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 no. Sin should bring tears to your eyes when it happens. Then they take another lettuce and they dip it in once again, new life with like then they take an egg and they dip it in salt water once again showing new life with tears almost every one of these is new life with tears new life with tears new life with tears and if we don't impress upon that on our child when they go to sequoia high school what are they dealing with mm-hmm. when they go to other places what are they dealing yeah. if they don't realize life isn't going to be easy then you actually take one thing that actually the sweetest thing in there's the i don't know how to play it i call it shower set but it is apples nuts cinnamon honey all mixed together and then you throw sand in it. And you're supposed to have enough sand in there to bring grit into your mouth because you're supposed to recognize the sweetness of all this, but the grit that it leaves in your mouth. And you know what? The sweetness of all this is Jesus dying on the cross. But it leaves a grit in my mouth knowing he had to do that for me. 
Mm. And if we don't take these moments, and literally, I recommend every Christian sit down with their kid in a couple weeks, and whether you do the whole meal or you just take that moment to be the high priest of your household and impress upon your children what the next year is going to be like, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend. I'll leave with you some hogdas and stuff like that so that they could do their own if you know anybody that wants to do it. But I'm telling you, you need to do the meal with your family. Yeah. I would... I don't know if we have time this year, but I would be up for you putting the meal together for a few of us to, to do. I, I did it last year for a church up in uh, Coker Creek. I I'd would, be glad to do it. I, I, I would enjoy it because I've done it once. Everything will be mispronounced because I'm a Gentile trying to get into the Jewish <laughs> world. But <laughs> I understand. I just, I think it's, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And I think a lot of times when you uh, these feasts are spread out over the year for when you, I mean, you know how it is. You get going and, and, and you're focused on it, you're focused on it, then you kind of get sidetracked and you kind of fade. And then somehow you got to be brought back, hey, this is what I, my focus is. I think they're strategically placed for when you start to fade, they get your attention back and say, hey, this this is what your focus is. I, and, and I... I think they're good. Yeah. I, I need really that do. several times throughout the year to yeah. bring my attention right back to where he's think, to be. And I think it brings our attention back to who he is. And we got to understand who who is he? Who is he? Who is this Passover lamb? Why do we take communion? Why is it very serious and 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 an, and a very personal emotional moment? Why? This is why. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord, the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He's our lamb. Well, guys, that's going to do it for today. Passover, communion. I feel like we just scratched the surface. Do your own research. Study to show yourself approved. Dig into the Word. Um, if you don't have a home church, find one. There are a lot of great Pop churches in this area. Why? why? But, but find you a good church where you can get rooted and grounded in the Word. But um, we love you guys. If you uh, enjoy the show, be sure to check us out on Truth Revival or at, at Facebook, Truth Revival 37385. You guys have a good day. For Paul Chapman and Andy Nichols, I'm Roman Hamilton. We're out of here.